Grab your Bible with me now, if you would, please, and uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and then go a couple more pages to Philippians chapter 1. We were planning, I have been planning for, for months now to be in Ephesians 4 this morning, but I'm pushing us to Philippians 1 for this specific reason. A month ago, did it not seem that we were actually on the path back towards normalcy, a normalcy we had not experienced since March of 2020? It seemed like we were headed that way, right? And then in the last few weeks, uh, we're back in what I can simply no better would call a, the COVID tunnel. And it's like, really? We're back again? Oh. Increased infections, increased hospitalizations, increased arguments over vaccinations, new variant. We're back, right? And, and I don't know what that's doing to you if you're like, I knew it, or if you're frustrated, or you're like, God, why? thought we were beyond this. I'm so over this. But you'd have to live under a rock not to realize that everything about our culture right now is back again to what's going on with COVID in our culture. Yes? I'm off base? No. You, you understand. We saw last week hundreds less in service and hundreds more watching online again. The reality. And so I have postponed Ephesians 4 till next week to ask this simple question. What do we believe in these moments? Because I'm concerned that when we are so saturated with cultural thoughts and convictions that what we believe as followers of Jesus might actually be getting lost in this time. That we are so indoctrinated with cultural ideas that maybe we haven't stopped believing, but we have forgotten what we believe as followers of Jesus in times where the reality of death which we kind of always know is there, but it takes a front seat in our thinking. What do we believe in times like that? So I've chosen to go to Philippians 1 because this. Because the writer, the Apostle Paul, is in prison. And in prison, he's writing with this reality that death is in the front seat. That I could be released, but I could not be released and die here. And that sense of death in the front seat causes you to go, what do I believe in this moment? Ultimately, just so you know, historically, he ends up getting released for a brief period and then arrested again. And it's not because in either case he did wrong, he was preaching the gospel. And he's imprisoned again in the second imprisonment. He, in fact, does die. Church history says the emperor Nero had his, Paul's head chopped off as part of his persecution of Christ followers in his day. 
So it wasn't this imprisonment, but it was the second one. And it's just whether you think this is the second wave or the third wave or the current wave of the tunnel we're in, we're asking again the question, what do we believe? Or maybe you're not, but I want to remind us. What do we believe in the face of death? Because he comes to this conclusion, realizing it's in the front seat. You with me there in Philippians chapter 1? He says this, verse 20. That I will not, here's his prayer, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, and his now, he means what? In this time of imprisonment with the very real potential of death facing me, even now, as always, whether that's true or I get released, as always, that Christ be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, and this is, this is his summation of what he believes, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Those eight words are his summation of what he believes when he is facing the reality of, I don't know if I'm going to die right now, but it's a probability. What do I think? I think this about life. To live is Christ. And I think this about death. To die is gain. Now, he says, for to me. In other words, this is his personal statement. And it's my challenge to myself and to each of you. Can you say, not for to Paul, but for to me. To live is Christ. I'm not in prison, but we're back in a COVID tunnel. And I realize different age groups are being impacted in different ways. Can I really embrace today and tomorrow and this coming week with that mindset? To live is what? Christ. And to die? Gain. I love the simplicity of it. Because it boils down to. And watch. We're going to look at what he believes about death first because the scripture will help us see. It's what we believe about death that will ultimately determine how we live. So, to die. Let's even not look at his gain yet. To die. What's he acknowledging? He's acknowledging this, that we believe that apart from the return of Jesus, which we do believe will take place at one point, that apart from that, we believe sickness and death are inevitable realities for some of us. No. For every single one of us. See, we can tend to live in a mentality that goes, no, no, no. No, I'm living life so I don't die. Guess what? You've set a really poor goal. 
You have set an impossible to reach goal. No one gets to live in a manner in which they don't die apart from the return of Christ. Now you may go, that is so depressing. Actually, I would suggest to you, it's not depressing at all. It's actually very clarifying. The reality that we believe that death and sickness are inevitable realities are actually incredibly clarifying about how we live. Let me start with the simple. Do you believe that chocolate has an expiration date? And you may go, whoa, how do we get to chocolate? Well, do you believe that chocolate has an expiration date? That's a lie. Well, wow, this is a new part of the sermon because some of you are going, no, 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 no. Uh, I didn't think so either as a kid. And so as a kid, I would actually save my Easter candy for the following Easter because I didn't want to run out. And I didn't run out. But you know what I found out? Chocolate has an expiration date. I had saved it, but it was no longer any good. So, people who loved me last week, or during Puck Week, a couple weeks ago, gave me a bag of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You know what I did? I turned it over and went, when do I need to eat this by? March of 2022. Now you go, that's stupid. No, it's actually very clarifying. The difference between this and your life and my life is I can't take my shoes and socks off and go, what's the expiration date? Would that be weird? If you got it tattooed on the bottom of your foot and when you came out, they're like, well, we got him for this long. Would that be depressed? That'd be clarifying. The reality of death the reality that it's in our face in this tunnel is actually a very good thing for us. In fact, here's what the scripture says. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Pure and simple, better to go to a funeral than a party. What? None of us really think that. But it's better. Why? Because that is the end of every man, party or funeral funeral. When it all ends up, apart from the return of Christ, we all get there. And watch. And the living takes it to heart. So I'm not being cavalier with this. Three weeks ago, on a Wednesday evening, my friend Wayne and Wendy Graves Got a text that Wayne, while edging his driveway, died at the end of his driveway. Wendy and I had worked here on staff for more than 30 years together. So I got up, drove over, and, and Wayne was laying at the end of his driveway, and Wendy was sitting beside her, stroking his arm, rubbing his head waiting for medical personnel to come take the body away. And in a rather unusual turn of events, we waited for two hours. You may think, that's weird. 
Oh, incredibly clarifying. You don't sit beside a man and not go, Doug, this is, this will be you. Right? The living take it to heart. See, this is not about, if you thought, oh, I'm going to give a sermon on vaccinations. No. Or mask. No. What do we believe about death? We believe it's clarifying about life. Because you can't, you can't sit on the end of the driveway in that moment and not go, am I ready? If you haven't asked yourself that question in our current COVID tunnel, I'm sorry, but wake up, folks. Are you ready? It's a bit, it's a bit indiscriminate. And what legacy am I leaving? The, the power for nearly everyone who goes to a funeral is you can't help but sit there and listen to what people are saying about the person and ask yourself, what will they say about me? Will anybody be there? (laughs) And will they be making stuff up but thinking really different thoughts in their head? What legacy am I leaving? And and am I living lives as if I have unlimited days? See, to to sit with a person is to go, I don't know how long, but I know that I don't have forever. And sometimes we, we think, well, once I get to a certain age, then I'll start thinking that way. Let's not, let's not be that people. So I look at a father-son right here. The son, you should be as aware of this reality as that. I don't have unlimited days. And so what legacy am I leaving? And and am I ready to die? And what would I wish I have said or done? Well, I have regret. And if I will, why don't I do something about it now? Right? This This is not depressing. This is incredibly clarifying. These are, these are uh, and don't, don't misunderstand, they're hard, grieving moments that clarify. What will I do between this day and that inevitable day to address these issues that go beyond the days I have alive. Paul, again, what's his conclusion? His personal clarity and faith in death is, for to me, this has been good. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's a good place. And it's my simple, objective that you would ask yourself what you believe. And I hope that many of you will come to that biblical conclusion with the Apostle Paul this morning. 
To live is Christ. To die is gain. In other words, my priority in life actually is exalting Christ, not my self-preservation. I state it that way because I think that core value is getting lost. That self-preservation, which is not an unreasonable goal, it's just a, an unattainable forever, right? And therefore, there is a higher goal upon which we as followers of Jesus who believe the gospel, who have trusted in Jesus to, what we declare in song? To forgive our sin, to be called children of God. We believe something. We believe that exalting Christ has to, even in our COVID tunnel, trump self-preservation. And I want to remind us of that. Because that's not what our culture is screaming right now. But that, my friends, is the heart of a Christ follower. Whether by life or by death, that you would be exalted. Self-preservation doesn't drive me. The exaltation of Christ drives me. Because... Because not only is death a reality, this also is why it's not depressing. Because it's not the only reality. If it was the only reality, that'd be depressing. It's not. There's not only another reality, there's actually a listen, a greater reality. And that greater reality comes from <laughs> All sorts of places in the scripture. Let me pick what is probably the most famous place in scripture. What's the greater reality? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. Or they'll physically die. But they, soul and spirit, will live forever. They won't perish. They'll have everlasting life. See, the, the mindset that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, is rooted in the love of God and the work of God through his son for those, not for everyone, but for those who, those who believe. So that's why I want to make sure we understand. I don't expect a culture to believe that exalting Christ is a higher priority than self-preservation. But I do call us as followers, as ones who believe in Jesus, that exalting Christ trumps self-preservation. Because we believe that, yes, sickness and death, apart from Jesus' return, are a reality. But we believe that life in Jesus that we have obtained through belief in his death, burial, and resurrection, that that life will even be better after we die. That to live is Christ, to die is gain. So it's going to be better after we die. Do you believe that? Um, See, if I genuinely, and this is the challenge, I found myself listening and listening and then asking myself, Doug, do you believe in eternal life? 
And if I believe in eternal life, and I believe that eternal life is going to be better than this present life, then why the fear? And why the desperation? I believe in eternal life. And I believe it's better than the present life. Because here's how it's described. Turn, and I invite you, we'll come back to Philippians 1 in a moment, but turn with me to the last two chapters in your Bible if you have one with you there. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. 22 chapters in the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the revelation of God given to the apostle John looking into the future. And he looks into the future because what we believe about death determines ultimately how we'll live. And he says, chapter 21, verse one, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea, which is why I'm a river man, not an ocean man. <laughs> and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. Do you get the emphasis there? God's going to be like among us. And he among us will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be death. No longer mourning, crying, pain. That's this life. And this life has passed away. And he who sits on the throne says, behold, I'm making all things new. In other words, I was just getting started, but I can't finish. It's all going to be brand new. And, and I love this. And he said, hey, write it down. This is good. You know, there, actually, there's a divine imperative. This is a time to take notes. This is worth writing down because this is faithful and true. And friends, uh, we kind of laugh, but there are things worth believing at important moments. And right now, in our COVID tunnel again, it's important that we believe in eternal life in Christ, which is better. And we could take a long time, and I'll be tempted to take too much time, so I'm going to have to keep kicking myself to, to push my way through here. You go to the, the le- next chapter, verse 5, and it just gives us the picture again. There will no longer be any night. Huh. No night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them. And they'll reign forever and ever. That just gives me a picture of not only, watch, what is gone, but what will be present. And, and as we'll see in a moment, that's the double-sided good of 
what I think about the gain. It's not only what's gone, it's what will be present. So what's the gain first? Uh, the gain, and, I, and I'll try and keep this up here long enough for you to write it all down because this is worth writing down. <laughs> we'll gain a life in a new body on a new earth in a new heaven that will never end. Yeah. For us, and, and, and again, I am not being flippant about the death that you're experiencing right now. This is hope. That those who have believed in Jesus and died, new body. And there will be, if that new body, a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be forever and ever and ever. That's what we will gain. I'd actually potentially suggest, this may say silly, but if you're thinking, oh man, maybe I should get something done to my body to make it new, put it off. Because <laughs> it's just going to sag and fade or whatever again. <laughs> it is. It's, the Bible says it's a tent that's going to fall down. And you can do everything you want and add a few more props, but that sucker's falling down. So, why don't you just get used to the fact that I'll get a new one one day that will never sag. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. Because I believe to live is Christ, to die is gain. Second, we gain a life that is physically with the Lord. And that might be least like Wow, I don't know how to capture that. I think it's actually what is most great about heaven, that we have least capacity to really comprehend. But the overwhelming emphasis of the future for those, who us, those of us who believe in Jesus is that to be physically present with the Lord. And somehow, among us all, not not like Jesus was with his disciples. Did you hear that? Not like that. Because Jesus was wrapped in frail humanity and they were wrapped in frail humanity. In this, the gain will be God will not be wrapped in frail humanity. He will not have emptied himself like he did in the sending of his son. It will be God in all his fullness among us and us in our new bodies with him. I can't get that, but ultimately it is the presence of God that will make heaven heaven because it is the absence of God that ultimately makes hell hell. We'll gain a life free from what makes this present life hurt and hard. The simple reality is the older we get, often the more we feel the hurt and the heart. And I want to encourage us to stop fighting it and instead let it make us hungry for heaven. 
It's why sometimes when we're young, we're not hungry for heaven. Because we haven't experienced the heart, the hard and the hurt that when we often get older, we go, to be free from this. But it's not only that the pain will be gone and the mourning and the crying that comes from all that and and the death, all of that is gone. What, What really, and maybe this is because I haven't yet experienced enough hurt and heart. But what actually, or maybe that I've only heard this, what helps me even be more hungry for heaven is that we'll gain a life in which good does not end. It's not only that the hard and the hurt will be gone, but the good that we get glimpses of in this life. You get glimpses of good in this life? Yeah. Yeah, but the, they always end. Have you ever had a, I mean, like a phenomenal meal? And then what happened? Either it was all gone or you had no more room. And, you, and you've said something like, man, I want to eat some more, but I just can't. There'll be no limitation in heaven. Now, I'm not saying we'll be obese. I'm saying that, that it won't be like, oh, that's, that's all gone. We, there will be full good that never ends. If you like to read, you've probably read a book and you're like, oh, I don't want it to end. I found uh, two years ago now a fishing hole in my pedal kayak, which in the first six months I caught 40 redfish, like keepers, not littles, keepers. And in the last 18 months, very little. Ticks me off because good fishing holes don't last. But there will be a river in heaven. It says it, Revelation 22, 1, if you don't understand. There's the river of life in heaven. I don't know how that's all going to work, but I know the good is not going to end. You know, relationships are good and then they're bad. Not true in heaven. The presence of God that you sometimes feel in a very personal, real way. Has that ever happened to you? But then the next day I was like, I'm just like, God feels distant. Never again in heaven. The presence of God among us will be sent that the good will never end. It's not that the bad won't be there. It's the good won't stop. Which is, which is why I think, in case you've never, if you've wondered, you've heard this a thousand times, but what's, what's the Bible really mean when it says, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Is it saying that death is done? No, it's a, death is an inevitable, apart from the return of Jesus, death is an inevitable reality. But for we who believe in Jesus, death, which is real, is not victory. And it has lost its sting. Still hurt? Still hurt? Remember, let's be clear here. For whom? For those who haven't tasted it yet. 
But there is not the sting for those who have died in Christ, only the gain. It still hurts because we miss, and that's the beauty of the good that doesn't last. There's no grieving in death. That's an emptiness of relationship. But death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Do you know why he declares that? Watch. He declares that in 15, verse 55. And in case you don't know, if you ever wonder about what do I believe about the resurrection, then go to 1 Corinthians 15. The whole chapter is on the resurrection of the believer because of the resurrection of Christ. So if you ever want to get your thoughts around the resurrection, read 1 Corinthians 15. And he concludes, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? And he says that because he had just said this, for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the same. Death is, I love that, swallowed up in victory. We believe to live is Christ because to die is gain. So if we believe that, how do we live? I love this. Like I just told you, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is start to finish about the resurrection. Except verse 58. The last verse of the chapter gives a, a therefore, here's how we live. In light of what we believe, here's how we live. Here's what it says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable. Okay, Paul's right there before we read the rest. If I, can I just have your eyes for a moment, please? We paused. We're looking at Philippians 1 this morning to encourage you to be steadfast and immovable in what we believe in this new tunnel. Don't get pushed off the foundation of our faith. It's rooted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that has set the course for those who believe in him to experience his resurrection life. In this life and in greater gain after we die. So be steadfast immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm not sure that's happening. Everything I read says all across our country, people serving the Lord, and I don't mean occupationally, is down. That tells me we've lost our way a bit. That we believe to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if we believe that, then we will, even in this time, be steadfast and movable, always a 
abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, if I'm not talking occupationally, what do I mean by abounding in the work of the Lord? Back to Philippians chapter one. I shouldn't have showed it to you. Gone. Philippians one, back there in your Bible. Here's, what we, here's how he defines work of the Lord. Verse 23, he has just said, I might live, I might die. And then he goes, I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Catch that? He's gone, wow, I'm like torn to die, better for me to live Necessary for you. What's he mean? Next verse. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. All he's simply saying is, I'm not afraid to die. If this is where I'm going to die in prison, die is gain. But if I live, I live for the purpose of Christ. And the purpose of Christ is faith in your life. That's why I live. I live, he says, for the faith in your life. What's gain for me? Death. What's good for you? Life. When it's lived for the sake of faith in others. We believe Life in Jesus before we die is for helping others discover life in Jesus. Don't just write it down. (laughs) To live is Christ. What's that mean? That means that as long as I have life, I am here for the sake of being an instrument of God not occupationally, but by a lifestyle to encourage the faith of others. That's abounding in the work of the Lord. That's why I'm here. Can I make an observation? You're not dead yet. Why not? For the sake of the faith in others. For the sake of faith in others. Paul describes it this way in the next chapter. Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Wow. Did you catch that? Here's the picture, if you, if you can't see it. It's a priest who has a clay pot with liquid in it. And that liquid is to be poured out on the altar of God in worship to him. And Paul says, you know how I see myself? I see myself as the liquid in the pot. And the altar, you know what's on the altar? Other people and their faith. And I am being Poured out. In other words, my life is for the purpose of being poured out so that in others, faith is found and grows. 
see your life that way? Not, the goal is not self-preservation. The goal is to pour my life out, whether it's on my spouse, my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, my coworkers. For me, in my particular situation, you, really. I see my life as a liquid that's intended to be poured out for the sake of faith in this congregation. That your faith would grow. That you would believe in a time like this. But that's not reserved to a pastor. You live to live as Christ. It's for you to have your life poured out. Not for wealth. Not for your name. But to have, everybody pours their life out for something. You understand that, right? Everybody pours their life out for something. Sometimes they pour it out upon themselves. And sometimes they pour it out on others, but not for faith. As followers of Jesus, we pour our lives out for the sake of faith in others. For as long as we live. And then we gain. You may know uh, this poem by a Native American Indian who was the leader of the Shawnee, a chief Tecumseh. He says in his poem, Live Your Life, when it comes your time to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with the fear of death, so that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Just pause there for a moment. No one needs to do that. You can decide today that when it's my day, I'm not going to think, oh, why didn't I or I should have. I'm not going to be afraid because I believe it's gain. And because I believe it's gain, I was unwavering in my commitment to exalt Christ by pouring my life out in the faith of others. Sing your death song. What's that? To live is Christ. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's my death song. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. Because that's where we're headed. See, the irony is he didn't even have the truth, but he had the spirit, the attitude of one who does. Die like a hero. That simply means I died like a man who lived knowing what life was for. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Do you take with me the elements? Remembering the death of Jesus. Ben, you can come on up. 
take both parts off. It's a clear cellophane to expose. And then the foil. So you hold in your hands. These are the reminders of the body of Christ broken and the blood of Christ poured out on our behalf. My concern is, oh, we're moved to a religious exercise. No. You know what we're doing right now? We're remembering the life of Jesus poured out for the sake of faith of others. Isn't that right? That's how he lived. He lived to pour his life out. Ultimately, in death, for the sake of faith in me and in you. And when we take, we are taking, believing as follower of Jesus, we live for what he lived for. And we died with the hope that he died with. A hero going where? Home. Let's take in remembrance of Jesus. Father, bow with me. Father, would you bring to the mind of each listener right now the people they are pouring their lives out for? If all they can see is themselves, Lord, would you broaden their vision to see who they could pour themselves out upon? And for the single purpose of faith in that individual's life. New faith or growing faith. Thank you for that joyful privilege, Lord, of being able to live life for the purpose which you intended it. That we would live to the glory of God and look forward to being with you going home where the good will never end and the bad will never make it. Lord, we are so grateful to live as Christ and to die is gain. We worship you. Let's declare together, stand, and let's joyfully declare the hope that we have of heaven.
Amen. What a truth to celebrate with that in mind, knowing that we are bound for glory. Let's go and be a blessing to those around us. You guys have a great day.